Hello, everyone. You are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. I am Jordan Hall, and as always, I am joined by the wonderful Taryn Hatcher. We're going to bring the energy today. We're going to bring the fight. We're going to bring, we're, we're excited. We're, we're excited to talk hockey, despite the hockey team not giving us a lot of excitement. Taryn, I don't like the look on your face. I want you to be excited here. <laughs> Taryn, we are after, we are in the post-trade deadline portion of the, the Flyers season, 14 games left. And let's just say the 15th game uh, didn't go too well and it didn't start very well. They lose 6-1 to the Capitals. It's their fifth 6-1 loss of the season. They fell down 4-1 in the first period. That was their first game after the trade deadline, after they had to sell some pieces. What did you think of the effort, Taryn, on Tuesday night? How perplexing was it to you? How disappointing was it to you? It's it's perplexing, um, and we talked about this on post-game. It's, it's now the seventh game that they've lost by five or more points because they also lost 8-3 and 9 nothing. in addition to the other four 6-1 losses, yesterday's loss being the fifth 6-1 loss this season. So they've now lost more than half a dozen games by five or more points. That in, of, in and of itself is perplexing because you look at this team on paper and that team should never do this, even without Matt Niskanen, whatever. It, that should not happen with when you look at the veteran core that's been here for a long time and what they've been able to do. That should not happen. But the main thing that was concerning, and it was something that I asked Jonesy about, and he made a really good point in response, was last year, and I know I talk about this a lot, last year this was a team that – they could be down by three goals with seven minutes remaining in the third. And you're like, they're going to do it. They're going to find a way. And this year they can be up one goal in the first period. And you're like, they need, they really need like a three goal lead here. They need like a three goal cushion. And if they had had a bunch of guys retire, if they had had, you know, a ton of players move in the off season, it would make sense, but they didn't. They had Matt Niskanen, who, again, we now talk about as if he was the greatest defenseman that ever played the game of hockey. And in most places, he's probably not a top pair defenseman, if we're being honest. Nonetheless, like the best defenseman on the team. And I'll never understate how much he meant to this team. He meant a lot. He was a really great guy. Um, and he was a great defender, defenseman. But um but the team, one of the strengths of this team was supposed to be about the number of returning players that they had this year, the chemistry they were already supposed to have and the familiarity with each other and the ability to win together and the ability to fight for each other. That was supposed to be a strength of this team. And now you have Chuck Fletcher in Monday's press conference saying clearly the chemistry here isn't right, which was something Jonesy pointed out is how does that team go a full 180 to now they, they seemingly can't win a game or they can't win two games in a row? How does that happen? Carter Hart hasn't won a game since the middle of March. Like, and some of that's Carter. And some of that's not Carter. Some of that's with what happens in front of him. And Jonesy said the concerning thing is, is that when you have a GM who's, who's outwardly saying that, that's a real indicator of issue. And it was an issue that I think none of us, none of us saw coming. None of us saw lack of chemistry among the forwards being an issue. 
none of us thought depth after last year's bubble run, none of us thought depth was going to be an issue. Shoot, we sat here on this podcast and we talked about, you know, basically the question was going to be not how deep the Flyers defensive pairs are, but but who plays next to Provorov? Like we didn't expect the defensive breakdowns to be what they are. And we thought we were set on goalies. I remember sitting here being like, oh my gosh, for the first time in my life, in my entire life, we're walking into a goalie situation that makes you feel happy in your heart. All of it is just at its foundation, kind of come crashing down. And I don't even remember what the question is at this point, because I'm just so overcome with emotion about it. <laughs> that is good. That's okay. No, it really, it really is um, mind-boggling. Mind-boggling. You remember Chuck Fletcher in the all-season, and it, it's probably going to be brought up a lot. And it might haunt him a little bit. He said, I, I like our team. He says, I like our team. And he was basically discussing why they were – you know, semi-quiet in the offseason, didn't go out and do a whole lot. Obviously, they got Eric Gustafson, which he admitted did not work out. He, he got traded at the deadline. But he said, I like our team. And, you know, I can't really fault him a ton for liking their team. I, I believe that, too. I, I, I was a big We all advocate. did. We all yeah. did. I was a we big advocate. Of- and every expert across the league did, too, when they did their preseason previews. Yes. Everyone did. I talked to a lot of people, like you said, a lot of experts, a lot of other people around the league. They all really liked the Flyers' makeup. They were a buzz about Oscar Lindblom and Nolan Patrick coming back. They were a lot of them were bullish about Philip Myers uh, being able to take big strides. Um, of course, they lost Matt Niskanen, but I don't think anyone thought it was going to be a difference of the Flyers being a top six team at the end of last regular season uh, now to giving up the second most goals in the league and having one of the worst goal differentials in the league at at minus uh, thirty one. It's just it's, it's truly perplexing. And, um, and what I meant by like liking their team, like there was just, there was, there was a lot to like, and you, like we said, the goaltending situation looked really set for the first time in a long time. The depth at four was there. Um, there was young and upcoming defensemen that everyone thought was going to take more strides. It, it, it truly is uh, hard to wrap your head around, but now the Flyers need to fix it. And, uh, and the big thing will be coming in the offseason. Karen, what did you think overall of the trade deadline? And, and how big is this offseason really for this team ahead? I thought the trade deadline made sense. I know people wanted Chuck Fletcher. Like, I expected people to kind of be angry. I think they wanted Chuck Fletcher to get splashy or whatever. And, and I don't think that was really um, going to work. Because if they were two points behind the Bruins, same amount of games, it, it's the push about who's going to get it. You know, the Bruins are getting Hall. You know, they're getting Lazar. You, you have to do something to keep head above water. I get it at that point. You know, go for it. Push for it. But Chuck Fletcher kind of – didn't kind of. He did admit that the problems essentially are, are bigger than what you can fix with one piece of the trade deadline. It's got to be a – long-term view the flyers need if they were going to do anything the trade deadline they had to do something that made sense long term and i don't know that those kinds of moves are always made or made successfully at the trade deadline sometimes they are but a lot of times those are off-season off-season decisions off-season chats a lot of strategizing a lot of phone calls being made and, and chuck was super open about i've called everybody to try to do stuff nobody's calling me back. Nobody wants to take me out on a date right now. Like I'm just not, we're just not the attractive um, 
option here. And with the way, like there's only, there's a lot of people that you maybe thought would have garnered interest in February or so, but the way March and early April, April is gone, that's not a surprising assessment of the situation either. So I, I kind of thought what would happen would happen. I was grateful to be honest with you that Scott Lawton is still a flyer. I thought if they lose Scott Lawton, that's Michael Roffel is a big blow to the locker room and that he's a fun, lighthearted guy who's a workhorse on the ice. I think he has a lot of what Tyler Pitlick's value was on the ice and the Flyers, I think, desperately miss Tyler Pitlick. And I've said this a lot of times, but I think Scott would be an even bigger blow. I think yesterday's game would have gone a lot worse if it had been Scott Lawton dealt to the Capitals and not Michael Roffel because Scott Lawton means a lot to a lot of guys in that dressing room. So I thought that was big, but in reality, I think um, I didn't expect much out of Monday. I, I expect the off season, there will be moves. I will, would be shocked, quite frankly, if there aren't some big moves. Um, but I didn't think that was really going to happen yesterday. And uh, I, I don't know, some of the exchanges that you see at trade deadlines too, I'm like, does this even make sense? You know, trading this guy for a fifth rounder who's probably never going to see NHL time. Some of those trades I, I kind of don't really care for. So I was sort of like, you know, why trade Scott Lawton for like a third round guy? You know, Scott means a lot more to this team than a third round guy is going to mean to the franchise down the line. So what did you think? No, I, I, I thought the same thing. I, I, I expected them to sell off their, you know, probably a couple of their UFAs, pending UFAs. And I expected them to resign Scott Lawton. I really did. I think I knew that they, they really liked Scott Lawton. And uh, Chuck Fletcher's assessment, assessment was what I thought uh, with Scott Lawton being the Flyers have holes. They have holes right now. They're struggling to prevent goals. And he thought losing Scott Lawton would just basically create another hole. And I agree with that. It would have, uh, I think he's a part of the solution going forward. I was glad to see them resign Scott Lawton. And for 3 million a year over five, I thought that's, I think it's a really good deal. He's only 26. He's turned 27 soon, but it's good to see Scott Lawton back in the picture. I think he's going to be good for the team. I think it's uh, yeah, they, were, they had, to, go ahead there. Sorry. I was just going to say uh, something I wanted to ask you about, because you're, I feel like you're a lot more on top of numbers than I am from time to time. Um, I, I think these, I, I would be shocked to see a lot more um, five-year contracts come out over the next few years. I think it'll be interesting to see how this dead cap era will impact contracts going forward. Cause I think you're either going to see massive contracts <clears throat> or smaller bridge deals with smaller numbers involved. Like, Scott getting five years and 3 million over five. It's not a huge AAV. Like it's not a massive, massive number there, um, which I think has a lot to do with the dead cap. And I, I would, I wonder if what the numbers looked like over the summer, because I know the flyers were aggressive in wanting to resign him. And I believe he wanted to get a deal done over the summer as well, from what I've been heard, been told. <clears throat> but I, I would be curious to know what those numbers were over the summer. And if, if Scott's side came closer toward the middle than the flyer side, because I think you're going to see that a lot in the next few years. You're going to see the big dogs get massive contracts, like, like quarterbacks in the NFL. And you're going to see a lot of other contracts where teams are, are talking down the agents uh, that I'm curious to see that. 
I think so too. I think we saw it last off season. A lot of those Scott Lawton type of players just did not, did not get their paydays. It's a shame because like those guys are really important. Um, those guys, even if those type of players are coming off career years for them, um, that typically would warrant like a good payday, but a lot of them just had to take what was there. And uh, like, I think Tyler Pitlick, I believe got, he had a really good season. I, it might've been under 2 million, maybe 1.75. Mm-hmm. Like I think Scott could be a, a mid high fours kind of guy. Yeah. Um, in a normal, in a normal time. Yeah. Yeah. And for him to come down essentially $2 million a year, that's a lot of money, but I think you're going to see the disparity between haves and have nots. And I don't mean teams. I mean, players within teams, it, Sean Couturier's contract negotiations will be very interesting because at that point, the cap situation, it's going to have a big impact on haves and have nots, but you still expect a Coots will get a massive deal. So what does that mean for everyone else? It'll be interesting. Yeah. And Tyler, and Tyler Pillick did get 1.75, I think in, in normal That's times, crazy. probably That's in the mid twos. And yeah, Scott Lawton, you know, his previous deal was 2.3 million. So he didn't even get a full million in a raise. Um, so, so yeah, you know, I, I think that just tells you the flat cap era. And I think it tells you how much Scott Lawton wanted to be here. The years, I think, the years meant more to him than, you know, maybe an extra 0.5 million or what, whatever it may be. Um, he he only has like a million in bonuses in his contract. Like the, the, if you look at all the numbers, they're not outstanding, which tells you how bad Scott Lawton does want to be here. And the other thing is, is like, we're talking about Scott Lawton in the same breath as Tyler Pitlick. Yeah. Tyler Pitlick had a great year last year for the flyers, but Scott Lawton can ease, can comfortably play in the top six and adds to it rather than subtracts from. And Tyler Pitlick, I think is really just kind of a third, fourth liner and a solid third, fourth liner. So yeah, I was, I was a little, I wasn't surprised by the numbers, but I was sort of like, yeesh, we're going to be like Taylor Hall's contract situation is going to be interesting. There's a lot of contracts in the off season to keep your eyes out on. There should be some interesting situations. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Flyers Talk is brought to you by Great Railing. Stop into Great Railing for the highest quality and lowest prices on all your railing, decking, and fencing needs. Well, Taryn, before we get into off-season and what the Flyers need to do to fix this, I think part of the reason why that start to Tuesday night's game was so disappointing was the fact that, you know, they didn't buy the deadline, understandably so. They had to lose some teammates because of their underachieving season. And you'd think that would have created some type of, you know, ticked off energy or some anger and and let's take it out on the ice and play for the guys that we lost and and show them, you know, that we're still in the race. And you just didn't see that. And I, I was really disappointed because a guy like Michael Roffel, we know how well-liked, how beloved he is in that locker room, how – how hard a worker he is, 
how he's played through injury, and he's been a flyer since 2013. He gets traded because the team underachieved, and he goes to the team that the Flyers played that night, the Capitals, and I just thought the Flyers were lifeless to start. Did, did, did that bother you? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I was pissed on postgame. Jonesy was pissed. Al was yeah. pissed. We were all pissed. And, like, I get, a, I get, I get the schedule. I get Elaine Vigneault saying we're, we're playing six and nine, and we're not using that as an excuse. And then he says it four more times in the press conference, and you're like, well, are you kind of, like, you know. And, and it's, it is a viable excuse. I'm not saying don't say it. It's important that people realize this workload is ad- abnormal and it is running people into the ground. That is very much the case. But I'm sort of like, for the guys who've been with Michael for almost a full decade here in Philly, for almost a full decade, you expected that the insult of his departure would spark a response in some type of way. And it did not. And mm-hmm that surprised me. That was the thing that surprised me. And like, and I said this on post game, the the thing is we can talk about how bad the math is all we want. If the Flyers won their last game and they won yesterday, they're within two points of the Bruins because the Bruins are leaving the door open for them and the Flyers are walking the other direction. And that's the thing that kills you. I get it. They have games in hand. This, that, and the next thing. They get Taylor Hall. They get Curtis Lazar. Da, 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 da. Taylor Hall, if you look across like the winning percentages of every team he's played for while he was on them, is terrible. So I, I don't know if he stole lava rocks or something, but like he he's got some, there's some bad juju there, I think maybe. <laughs> um like you just can't pack it in. And it felt emotionally no one showed up for that game. I think Taylor Lazinski did because I think he wanted his first NHL goal. I give Brian Elliott a ton of credit because I think they kept him in there to spare Carter Hart's mental health. And he took it like a vet should, like just took it on the chin, kept on rolling. But you, you just, you do wonder about like how these should be the most meaningful games and you shouldn't be checked out. And if nothing else, Gus didn't work. You know, I, I don't. I, if they just sent Gus away and there's no reaction to it, he wasn't here very long. I kind of understand. Michael Roffle's been here since I was in college. Yeah. Like Michael Roffle has been on this team for forever. Yeah. So I wonder if there was like a frustration there. Like maybe they were thinking, "Wow, we lost a good." we lost a teammate and we sent him, we sent him to the, to a division rival. Like why would we do that? I, I don't know. I, I'm Elaine Vigneault even said it. I, I tried to ask him, like, do you, did you sense a frustration with how the deadline went kind of seep into the players? Um, and he said, I'm not a mind reader. So like, I, he, who knows, who knows? Know. He seems like he's out of answers though too. Honestly. He does. He does. Like he, there was a somberness to his post game interview and maybe there was a somberness to, the Flyers energy level, just going into the game. Maybe they just, maybe they're physically and emotionally drained by the schedule and by how things have gone. And then obviously seeing the trade deadline come and go, you, you, you see the four teams ahead of them. Well, no, actually the four teams in playoff spots because they're actually in sixth behind Six, the yeah. as well. But you see the four teams in playoff spots, really they're buying, they're all in They're win now let's go. And the Flyers mm-hmm. obviously are not because of the way they played. So maybe, 
maybe that's taxing on the Flyers. But, Taryn, how do you fix it in the offseason? What is the biggest need in your mind? Where do you think – I know, oh it's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> I mean, you'd say you want a veteran – everybody all season has been screaming for a veteran top-pair top defenseman. Uh, so that I would put on the list. But now I think there's – some questions about forward depth for me. There's, uh, was Brian Elliott going to want to resign here? Is, is he going to want to retire? Like, do, do you have every, I know everyone asks this question and has for years. How long do you keep this, this nucleus of core veterans together? especially when you see what their contracts do to your options, you know, and how do you sell them off if you do want to get rid of them? Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of them have no trade clauses and some of them, their contract essentially is a no trade clause. There's, I don't know, like I, I would, I couldn't name top, top pair defensemen, shore up your goalie situation. Can they get McDavid? And then, I don't know. Well, I mean, McDavid. what would you say? Can I get McDavid? <laughs> Sorry. All it's right. like when people are like, why haven't they gotten rid of Jake yet? And I'm like, that's like asking me why I haven't bought an Aston Martin yet. Because you can't. If you don't, like, you cannot. No, no, exactly. I do think Chuck Fletcher will have something up his sleeve come the offseason because I think that's the best route to really – address the major holes that they have. And it's a shame because it probably will come at the expense of, you know, uh, maybe a bigger name on the roster that that would help the Flyers. But in order to fill up a more gaping hole, you might need to subtract in an area where uh, you're not as short, maybe where you have better depth. So yeah, maybe that's a bigger name up front within the four groups where, yeah, you'll probably have to eat some salary for sure, but it could, it could get you a really good defenseman in return. Um, yeah, and then, like, yeah, a big question in net, too. Yeah, is Brian Elliott going to be back? Who's going to be the backup to Carter Hart? Uh, that's a huge decision. So that's kind of one that it's kind of feels like it's kind of on the back burner and we don't talk about it as much, but that's a big one for sure. No one thinks about it, but Brian Elliott's like, peace out. This has been miserable. <laughs> yeah. Would you be shocked? And I, No, and also he's 36, so, like, you wonder, like, yeah, how much is he going to hold up? I love Brian Elliott. I think he's a great guy. Because I – I get comparing Brian Elliott to Patrick Waugh's like apples and oranges, but if that was Patrick Waugh in that first period, he would have skated over to the coach 15 minutes into the game and said, I'm not playing the rest of this game. Why haven't you pulled me yet? Mm-hmm. You know? And, and that's just how he rolled. Brian Elliott's 36 and he, he probably doesn't want to do this much more. And I don't think Carter Hart will be this bad. I think this season is an anomaly. I, I think, you know, most people are aware of that. There's some doomsdayers out there and that's okay too. When they all hate me when I say it, but like, I, I do, I think this has been a weird year and I think it's really affected him mentally and people still talk about goalies. Like they're weirdos who are wired different and they should be t- like, they're not anymore. Goalies are like everybody else. They're normal people. <laughs> they're not like psychos who don't wear helmets and masks and get pucks fired at their face for fun. Like they're not, and I think he's had a, a tough go of it this year, just in life. Like, I think he's just had a hard time. He's just yeah. not handled quarantine well, which yeah. is something that I think we all have friends who didn't handle quarantine well. Um, but yeah, I just like, I don't even, I've heard murmurs that there could be like massive, massive 
Chuck Fletcher moves, like Fletcher family moves the way his dad used to make moves. But um, you do wonder like, I think who is it gonna, who is it gonna be? How are you gonna sell those parts? Right. Why would anybody buy those parts? Like, not that there's not redeeming, like all of them are talented, but trying to convince somebody to, to take on a ton of salary or you in return taking on half of that salary is, is a bat to the knees this, this season and next season. So it'll be interesting. Yeah. I think they're really going to study the free, you know, they're going to look at the free agent market and see, you know, search everything and anything and see where they can get something. But um, I don't know. I would have to look. I don't know if the defenseman right now in the market. Um, but Chuck Fletcher did make four trades in his, all, in his first offseason. He made four trades in June. Now, they were not of the major block, blockbuster type of kind of trades. Um, but he did make four trades to make the team significantly better before free agency even hit. So I, I think he's seen that the makeup right now of this team is not right. Um, they did not replace Matt Niskanen. And maybe they are a top pair defenseman away. And the best way to do that is probably via trade. Uh, they'll find, maybe they're, you know, they're, they're discussing things already. So maybe they have some names in mind um, and then they're going to have to make it a tough decision in the off season to maybe lose a big name, uh, subtract from an area where you feel like you have maybe a surplus and then uh, really address the back end. And, and of course, trust some kids that are coming up. So Taryn, let's get into the kids a little bit. I think this is time for the kids. Let's be real. 14 games left. And we were asking Elaine Vigneault about the effort last, uh, last night on Tuesday. And uh, he said either guys are tired or I'm not sure why they didn't have the energy. It's got to be one or the other. Well, either they're tired or, or they just didn't have the effort because they didn't want to. So you got to look to a kid, right? Um, yeah, I, I love that it's, he <laughs> – all, all the past two games, maybe the Charlie O'Connor question was before two games ago, but asked about March. I don't want to talk about March. Asked about how the trade deadline impacted guys. I'm not a mind reader. Asked about <laughs> Wade Allison. I don't want to talk about Wade Allison. And I'm like, well, I want to talk about Wade Allison. Yeah. <laughs> he is. I would like to talk about Wade. I would like to talk about Cam. I would like to see them both. I would, I would really like to see Cam York because it's like, I mean, this, the defense, how's it going to hurt? Yeah, no, at this point, right. Like, I, I know they don't want to throw him in there, like go from college to an NHL game. They would love to get him some games down Lehigh Valley, but obviously the Lehigh Valley fandoms are going through a bit of a COVID situation where they've had games postponed. So let's hope every, everyone is safe down there and hopefully they can get some games in and Cam York can get some games in. But uh, yeah, why not uh, at this point? come down the stretch of the season, they're going to be out of it completely. Get Cam York a taste of the NHL, let him feel it, let him take it all in, and let it drive him through the offseason as he pushes for a roster spot next season. So that's a really good one. Yeah, Karen, Taryn, Elaine Vigneault really is. After a game, you realize he's very in the game. Like, he does not want to talk big picture. That's not his – especially after games. Like, he will talk the game, but he's not going to talk big picture. I, I, I remember I tried to ask him that even after they – got eliminated last season in the playoffs I tried to ask him just about the overall picture of the season and was it a success and he he was so disappointed after that game that he's like I, I'm not ready to do that uh I just want to talk about this game so he, that's the way he is but um Wade Allison yeah I think he's very very close to his NHL debut he's on the taxi squad he's been really good in Lehigh Valley 
They like him. He brings energy. He plays with an edge. I think he's probably our next NHL debut away. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. And I would, I would love to see what he can do. I think, you know, like Tan, what Tanner Lazinski is doing now and getting time up here and getting comfortable, even if the team's not playing their best, I think is huge. Because I remember talking to Oscar Lindblom my first season covering the team in 2018, 2019. And he would talk about like that season, he was still struggling to find consistency and grow his game. And then Scott Gordon, obviously when Scott Gordon became interim coach and Oscar started playing a lot more. And he was talking about the more I play, the more comfortable I am with the speed, the more I feel like I get my natural game back because I'm not worried about all of the rest of it. And you think about it and it's like, all right, well, let's, let's let these guys get their feet wet. So come their time next year, when they're called up, they're not worried about all the rest of it. Right. And I'd love to see that for Wade Allison. He seems like he's ready from, listen, I don't pretend to watch every single Phantoms game. I don't, but I follow Bill Meltzer's assessments on Twitter. And then I watch the highlights and whatever I can, when I can. And it does seem like he's ready. I would love to see what he can do at this level because let's be honest, you don't really know what a guy has until you see him play in the NHL level. And, you know, if you want to wait until the Flyers are mathematically eliminated, maybe they won't be, but that's a stretch. Um, Fine. Uh, But then I would call him up the very next game and I would – get him in there. And I was talking to Jonesy about it. And he was like, there's, I mean, Jonesy was partially driven by a clause in his contract, but Jonesy was saying, once you're up, you wait and you wait, and you wait for the call. And then once you're up, you just look around and you want to do whatever you can not to get sent back down. Yeah. And it, it makes you work harder and it makes you hungrier. And it's like, well, get him, get him up now. So that he gets his taste. And then when he's ready next year, he he's capable and he's fighting to stay up because he doesn't want to go back down. So I don't know. What have you seen from Wade? No, yeah, he's from what from what I've people I've talked to, they say he has um, an NHL release on his shot. So he's a guy that can score goals. Um, and yeah, he can he plays hard around the net. He's got two hundred foot qualities. So um, he's a four year college guy. He's pretty well seasoned and groomed to the to, to the point where you can put him in an NHL game and he's not going to look out of place. Tanner Lazinski was a similar guy, a yeah. four year college guy that the Flyers were very confident that he could play uh, in an NHL game and hold his own. And he has. So yeah, I think Wade Allison will be the next guy we see. And uh, I'm with you, Taryn. I would love to see Cam York at the end of this season. I think when just what you said and what Keith Jones said, you get that taste of it and it, it can fuel the players off season. Not that these guys aren't motivated, but once they see it, they're like, they know that, Hey, I'm closer. I'm closer. Um, it's a great way to, to drive a player, a young player, and make him push uh, even harder in the offseason, even harder in training camp. So now that was the, Phil you know, Myers' drive all of last year. Was he? Yeah. He got called up at the end of the year before, and then he was sent back down at the beginning of the year. And and he said, "I spent all year just being like, I don't want to be here. I want to be up with the big club." And yeah. you know, I didn't mean to cut you off, but no. on the on the four year college thing, because it, it it's it's true, and it's something you pointed out with Tanner. Have you, have you noticed a lot of or any situations where you thought Tanner looked physically outmatched by whoever he was playing against? No, I haven't. And that's, I think, what they, they loved about 
Tanner Lazinski and Wade Allison, four-year college guys that had NHL builds. Um, yeah. It wasn't like a Joel Farabee or a Morgan Frost, um, you know, 20, 21 year olds that are, you know, lighter frames that, that you are a little worried. Okay. How yeah. is the body going to hold up? It's, it's not the case with those two. Because it, it is interesting looking at, and I know Joel's going through a slump right now. So I'm not talking about Joel in the slump. I'm talking about Joel in general. Joel's taken a massive step this year in terms of his game and looking back at last year quite a bit. Um, you know, he's not necessarily a finesse guy. Like he enjoys the physical parts of the game. He engages in it. I don't think he shies away from it. I think Morgan Frost did at times, but I also, I don't know what they're listed at, but I can tell you just talking to Morgan and talking to Joel. Joel was, Joel was still small last year, um, but Morgan is more slight than Joel is still. And so Morgan looks, I think even a little bit more out of place physically, but when Tanner came in, if it wasn't for the name and the number on his jersey, I, I wouldn't have known he was any different from any other bottom six guy, except for maybe Nico Bay-Cubell, because he's not like committing tons of unnecessary penalties in bad situations. But like, other than that, he doesn't stick out in that way where I thought Joel as a 19 year old kid who was still, I think you know, as much work as he put into the weight room last season, he physically like was not matured in that way that he could put on a male adult amount of muscle. And then this year he really worked hard in the off season to do so. And it's shown in his game. Tanner doesn't have that. And that's the thing I'd be curious to see with Wade is how instantly he adjusts to those parts of the game, because the difference between a 19 year old who's one year out of high school and a 22, 23 year old who's coming out of college is vastly different. So I'm very curious to see how that goes. hundred percent. And Wade Allison is on the Texas squad as of right now. Uh, so I think he's very, very, very close, especially with Michael Raffle, uh, Michael Raffle's departure. Um, obviously, Michael Raffle was a guy that played in a similar role, similar spot that Wade Allison will play in. So, folks, maybe you will be seeing Wade Allison soon. Let's hope we're seeing more kids because uh, one way or the other, the Flyers obviously did not have the energy. And uh, maybe the schedule's getting the best of them. Maybe the situation in which they're in is getting the best of them. So why not get new blood, new life? Because uh, now is a beautiful time to, to evaluate. These games actually still matter in a way. So uh, see what these kids can do in meaningful games where they're playing some of the better teams in the division, teams that are looking at the Stanley Cup and believing they can win it. Why not see how these kids can do against against that uh, those types of opponents? I think it could be fun turn. Give them a shot. Give the kids a shot. Are you the mom of these prospects? No. Sorry. You don't make me feel older than I am. I already feel old. You're not old. I spent my late 20s in quarantine. By the time I get out of this thing, I'm going to be old and gray. You're in your 20s? I know, but... But you were 19. That's really nice of you, but I drink way too much wine to be a (laughs) (laughs) 19-year-old. Especially lately. (laughs) There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We are in the post-trade deadline portion of the Flyers schedule. 14 games remain on the Flyers slate. And as we all know, 
the odds are really stacked against this team to win the East Division and get into a playoff spot. Uh, let's head to PointsBet, our NBC sports betting partner, to look at the latest odds on the East Division. Right now, the Capitals lead the way to win the division at plus 165, followed by the Islanders at plus 190. Penguins are plus 300. And then the final playoff spot team, the Bruins, are at plus 350. The Flyers have the six best odds. They are currently in sixth place, so that makes sense. They're at plus 30,000 to win the East Division. They are behind the Rangers, ahead of the Devils. The Sabres are not even listed, so they are looking like they don't have any odds to win the East. But as we know, Flyers will need a serious winning streak, a serious rally, uh, and they're probably going to need some help, too, if they want to have a chance at a playoff spot. But there are games to be played, and they're not mathematically out of it. So keep an eye on those odds at NBC Sports uh, betting partner, points bet, uh, odds to win the East Division. Well, Flyers fans, you can catch this 19-year-old Taryn Hatcher <laughs> on Flyers pre- and post-game live. We have more hockey games to be played, Taryn. Plenty coming up uh, and plenty of good stuff from you on pre- and post-game live with Keith Jones, the whole crew, and a ton of great mystery guests. I know I can't wait to watch it. Thank you. We have more. We have I, more coming up. You, you think we're done and yeah. we're not. <laughs> Let's go. I'm all for it. Let's go. Well, Taryn Hatcher, thank you so much as always. Great seeing you. Great chatting with you. A special thank you to Ben Barry, our podcast producer, as always. And Flyers fans, thank you so much for listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast presented by Great Railing. Wherever you get your podcasts, please rate and subscribe. And we cannot wait to talk to you next time. Get your deck fixed. It's almost summertime. Great Railing, baby. See you next pod.